It's good for us to be reminded of the peace that is afforded us in the Lord. All right, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5 today. We are going to be continuing the story of Moses as we go forward. Uh, and uh, So hopefully we can get this working. Uh, there we go. Yeah, there we are. Sorry about that. All right, so we're in Exodus chapter 5. And, uh, and uh, so what, where we are in the story is that we're finally getting to the point where Moses is, is actually beginning to meet with Pharaoh. This is the thing that he's been set up to do. This is the thing that he's been promised to do. This is the thing that he's been, he's been gearing up to do. And, and we're expecting that it's going to go well for him. And, and, and I want to step back just before we get to this place and, and, and remind us why we're talking about the book of Exodus. Because we're looking at the book of Exodus as a metaphor for movement and transformation and becoming new. We're looking at the book of Exodus as a metaphor for our own lives, where we try to leave behind bondage, sin, patterns of behavior, ways of thinking and approaching the world that have kept us bound and prohibited from following and worshiping and serving God the way that we were created to and the way that we ought to and the way that will bring us the most joy. We're trying, that's the metaphor that we're looking at. And just as the people of Israel were trapped in Egypt, prevented from being what God has call, had called them to be, and he was moving them to the promised land, we believe that God is calling us to transformation to move from bondage to freedom. And that's why we're looking at this. That's why we're spending this time to think of this as a metaphor for our own lives. Because if we're honest with ourselves and with the people around us, we've all got things and issues that we're trying to leave behind and move into what God has called us to be. And we find ourselves on that journey. And, and, and this journey is in some ways mapped out for us in Exodus. And this has consistently been used uh, as a metaphor. So... So this, where we are in the story is that we finally had Moses convinced and he's going to do what God has called him to do. He's stepping into that. And, and now that God, Moses is going to do what God has called him to do, everything should just be gravy from now on in, right? Like it should just be like, good, I've, I've said yes, I'm obeying, and now everything is going to go perfectly as I step into the yellow brick road of what God has prepared for us. And, and, and that's what we, it's fair for us to expect that because we're humans and that's what we do. And in all honesty... The story actually starts that way. So the story actually starts that way in Exodus chapter five, at the end of Exodus chapter four where Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. So Moses has finally met, Moses has finally met uh, Aaron, his brother. They go to the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything that the Lord had said to Moses, and they also performed signs before the people, and they believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So at this point, everything starts off great, right? This is the first group of people that Moses has to convince. So the elders of Israel are like, okay, now we're going to have this liberation that we've talked about. God has noticed. So it went well with the Israel, and the leaders of Israel are behind him, and they back him, and the Lord is, easy, is with them, and now it should be easy, right? Like everything's just going to keep going 
well. And, and the reality is we have that, and, and, and as much as you know the story and you know that it's not going to go well, the reality is that's what we think when we head into something that God has called us to do, right? There's a, a thing that has been taught to us. That's what we've been taught, that if we do the right things, then things will be easy for us. If we do what God has told us to do, then, then the path to what God has called us to do will just be easy. Everything should fall into place. If we do the right things, we do what God has told us to do. If we, if we, if we put ourselves in the right positions, if we, if we don't you know, drink, smoke, chew, or date girls who do, right? That's the, then everything will just be fine. Things will go well and God will give us the desires of our heart. That's the, the expectation that we have. Even those of us who are believers think that. And in all honesty, the biggest thing that I've seen as I've worked with people who have walked away from the faith, who have, who have left their faith behind, the reason why they've left their faith behind is because it didn't work. In their minds, they've been like, I followed Jesus, I did the right things, I memorized the right verses, I went to Bible college, I, I did all the right things, and then my life didn't turn out the way that I wanted. I thought I was supposed to go into church ministry, and then I went into church ministry, and people were mean to me. I thought I was supposed to marry this person, then I married this person, and they were still a jerk. I thought that marriage was supposed to make my life perfect, and then it wasn't, and then I thought I was supposed to have children, and that would make my life perfect, and then it didn't. And then, you know, and all of these things that, that it didn't work. And we have this idea in our heads, and it's been taught by people like me from places like this, that if we do the right stuff, that if we work the system, then we're going to get out of the system what we put in. And that's the reality of what a lot of us have been taught Christianity is like, that we, that we step, to, step up to Jesus, we insert the things that we're supposed to insert, and then Jesus will produce the things that we want him to produce for us. But that's not Jesus, that's a vending machine, right? And Jesus is not a vending machine. And we need to understand that, because vending machines are very difficult to follow. They don't go anywhere. They mostly just stand still. That was just for you, but I knew that you would crack up. But this is an important thing for us to recall and remember as we go forward, because the very next thing that we see the very next thing that we see is that uh, Moses meets Pharaoh and it doesn't go as well as he expected it to do to go. Can you go to the next slide, Beth? So they go to see Pharaoh, and Moses and Aaron say to him, they, they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to God. Or uh, he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people who have the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. This is really interesting because because Mo, what Moses and Aaron expect is that they're going to go to, to Pharaoh and they're going to say, like, we're supposed to go worship. And their expectation is like, okay, so Pharaoh is going to let them go. But 
Pharaoh can't see his beyond his own beyond his own nose right now. And he says it like, no, the people are numerous. Why are you stopping them from working? I'm not giving you three days to go off and worship in the wilderness, right? Really, it's a season. He's, he's there, like, and it's interesting what their original ask is for. Their original ask is like, we're we're checking out and going to a promised land. Their original ask is like, we just want a week off, right? Can we just have a week's vacation to go off and like? do a family reunion thing in the desert, and Pharaoh is completely unreasonable, is like, and says, no, get back to work. And you can see this continue. The same day Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make them work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. This is very interesting what Pharaoh does, right? Because Pharaoh's confronted with his workforce coming to him and saying, we need a break. And what does Pharaoh do? So Pharaoh says, no, you're lazy. You don't need a break. I'm going to make your work harder. Does, do you think that that's going to work for Pharaoh, just as a general labor principle, right? Is that going to work to get what you want? And yet we see consistently, and this pattern still exists today, that when the powerful see that, that, that what has been working for them forever is going to change, they automatically lump in with harder tasks they, uh, they lies about the people, and they, they throw down, and they, and they are when they're confronted with anything that or, with, that will up, upset the apple cart, they begin spouting these lies and nonsense, and they make it harder for the people who are under them, and they make it harder for themselves, and ultimately they they bring about this 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 revolutionary spirit that is going to overturn them. Pharaoh is setting himself on fire in his obstinance against what Moses and Aaron want. And what's interesting about this is that is that Pharaoh and, and sorry Moses and Aaron are shocked by this, and 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 we can imagine that they're shocked by this, that that, that they expected that everything would go well. And the reality, and you might say, like, but wait a minute, Moses and Aaron knew that it wasn't supposed to be easy because they would have been reminded in Exodus. They would have been reminded in Exodus chapter. Four, can you find the Exodus chapter 4 slide? Yeah, there we go. They would, you would expect that they would have, that you, you would, you thought that they would have expected this, right? But that, but, but, and because God told them that, that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, why wouldn't they remember it? Well, when was the last time you remembered that God, that Jesus promised that, that you would have troubles in this world? When was the last time you remembered that Peter said, when people speak lies against you and accuse you of doing wrong? When was the last time you remembered those promises in the Old Testament where, where, the, where the, the, the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament, through the New Testament writers, continually reminds you that, that your suffering is to bring about maturity, that your persecution is to bring about maturity, that God is using this against you and that the world will, will go incredibly bad before it gets incredibly better? How many times do we remember that? Because all of those people that I just told you about that expected that Jesus was going to behave like a vending machine, that they were going to put in the right things and the right stuff was going to come out, they forgot that life was going to be hard. They forgot that Jesus promised it. So why would we expect anything different from Moses and Aaron? 
Who remembers that? We always forget that God has promised hardship and trials and difficulties. And we assume that when they happen, we assume that when hardships and trials and difficulties happen, that God is no longer with us. That's evidence that God is, that we are not doing what God has called us to do. When the reality is often just the opposite. That God has said, I am with you. Now it's hard. I'm still with you. Keep going to what you've been called to do. And we see that it gets... So Pharaoh hardens his heart and doesn't allow them to go. And then not only not only do, does Pharaoh turn against the people of uh, I guess was an Aaron, the, Aaron their own people turn against them as well. Because the Israelite overseers, the same people who were on their side just a minute ago, realized that they were in trouble when they were told you were not to reduce the number of bricks required to for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Merit, Moses, and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So now even the people that were on their side in the beginning are now against them, right? And this is our experience as well, and I think that we need to acknowledge this, that, that sometimes when we find ourselves in the middle of doing what God has called us to do, we find ourselves may, uh, find, facing opposition that we can't understand. We find ourselves with people arguing with us over, over things that ought to have been easy and things that they agreed to beforehand. And we find our, our phones connecting to weird networks that, that disconnect you from the Bible verse that you're trying to put up every time you, you go ahead. You find yourself facing this opposition every time, and there's no way to knock it down. And Moses and Aaron find themselves in this exact same position as well, where it's like, wait a minute, God was with us, now... Pharaoh has told us, no, God is with us. Now the Israelite overseers are against us again. What ought we to do in the midst of this? Can you go to the next one? But what God does in the midst of this is he doesn't knock down their opposition. What God does in the midst of this is he doesn't, is he doesn't make it easy for them. It's fascinating what God does in the midst of this. What God does in the midst of this is he repeats the promise. And then, so they're upset, they go back to God, and they're like, God, are you doing, what, what's going on here? Everything's going against this, and God says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I do to Pharaoh, because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of the country. Can you go to the next one, please? God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I hear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, as God Almighty, but by my hand, the name... Uh, but, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make, make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they were, resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. When Moses and Aaron faced difficult times, God didn't necessarily make it easy for them right away. God's response was to repeat the promise to them, that I am with you. That I am doing what I promised to do. It looks slower than you want it to look. It looks harder than you want it to look. It looks more difficult than you want it to look. But the promise still stands. God has remembered his covenant and he is following through with it. So the challenge that we have at this point in time is that when we are facing difficulties of many kinds is to not shrink back 
and find ourselves in that position that of, of so many people that I've met, so many people that you've met, that when things got hard and the vending machine didn't produce what they wanted it to produce, walked away from it and said that it didn't work anymore. Our challenge is to hear God repeating his promise to us. That though you have much trouble in this world, I have overcome the world. The challenge that you have is to hear me repeat the promise to you, to repeat the promise to yourself. Can we go to the next slide? That as Jesus said, a time is coming when, uh, and has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will all leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. And I have told you that these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Can you hear that promise today? In the midst of all of the difficulties, in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the, the wireless not working and not having the tools you need, in the midst of, in the midst of people who used to agree to, with you now standing up and saying, we don't agree with you anymore because we don't feel comfortable with the direction that things are going, in the midst of finding yourself banging your head against the wall over and over and over and over and over again, trying to get people to understand what you're talking about and where you're coming from and how you're feeling in the midst of that. Can you hear the promise that God is saying, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world? Can you hear that? Because that is going to be the difference between those of us who persist in doing what God has called us to do, who make it through the wilderness to the promised land, and those of us who shrink back and cry out to return to Egypt as the Israelites did so many, many, so many times. It's going to be the difference between those who persist in, in, in accomplishing what God has called them to accomplish and blessing the world because of it, and those who end up washed up on the wayside not doing what God has called them to do and just following along with cowardly status quo because it's the easy thing to do. I am not satisfied for myself, for my family, nor for you as a church, to persist in just going ahead with the status quo that makes us comfortable the same way that it has always been. I am not satisfied with that. And I don't believe that that is what God is calling us to, and I don't believe any of you are satisfied with that either. So I want to remind us that as we persist in what God has called us to do, we will inevitably find ourselves facing hardships where God is saying, I am with you now, when it's hard, I am bringing you to maturity. And don't expect that it's going to be easy, but trust that the promise still stands. In the same way, this promise is guaranteed to us in this cross and in this table, which remembers what Jesus did there. Because in this, in this sacrifice, in this giving of himself, Everything was sealed for us. Every victory that we need was sealed for us in this moment where we remember God's sacrifice for us. That our eternal destiny is secured. Our identity is secured. Our relationship with God is secured. All of that is done in this sacrifice that Jesus makes on the cross. And it is this that we, that we need to remind ourselves. It is this that we need to say to our souls when our souls get downhearted. That, that, that Jesus said in his life, death and resurrection, that you will have much trouble in this world, but he has overcome the world. Let's pray together. God. We are grateful that you are with us. We are grateful that you are moving. We are grateful that you have promised us that your kingdom is coming and your will 
will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask when it is difficult for us to see. We ask when it is difficult for us to understand. We ask when we fail.